0: Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick. Coming up in this episode, we're going to go behind the scenes of some of Hollywood's biggest movies. And then we'll talk about the top five months of the year.
1: When I was casting Mean Girls, uh, Rachel McAdams came in and auditioned for us. And I remember that I just kept watching her audition over and over every day saying, this girl is a movie star.
0: I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. So you know when you're watching a movie or a TV show, and the actor just seems perfect. Like they just seem perfect for that role. Our first guest is the person who makes those kind of decisions. This is casting director Marcy Leroff. And she's been a casting director in Hollywood for nearly 40 years, working on some of the biggest movies, everything from Mean Girls and Indiana Jones to Freaky Friday. How did you basically become a casting director?
1: Well, I was working for a talent agency, International Creative Management, and it was one of the biggest talent agencies in the world at the time. And through working there, I met and worked with several casting directors because the casting directors were basically uh, trying to cast their projects and they would come to an agency like ICM to try and find actors to work on their projects and so through working there in the television department I was exposed to what casting directors do and essentially the agents are the sellers and the casting directors are the buyers and I realized that I I liked being the buyer better than being the seller.
0: <laughs> was that always something that you wanted to do?
1: Didn't even know what it was growing up. Uh, no, I, I really just fell into this. I got out of college and I knew I wanted to do something in the entertainment business. It it could have been music or film or television. I, I didn't really know what. And so I bopped around to a few different jobs in the entertainment business, and, which, is, which is, I think, a very good idea for people when they're just starting out is to learn the business. And this could translate to many businesses, but to learn the business from several sides. And so that's what I did. And through doing that, I, I fell into casting.
0: I think a lot of people have a basic idea of what a casting director is, but what, what are you really doing?
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, what we do is we work with the filmmaker. We collaborate with the filmmakers and the, the producers and the studio and the network if it's television to help put what's on the paper in their script, bring that to life and come to fruition. And so we meet with the filmmakers and the creatives involved, and go over the script and have a conceptual artistic meeting, talking about what what we're looking for, and uh, also there are sometimes financial constraints in that we, we need to hire a a name movie star for a part so that we can get the movie uh, released and on screens. Uh, or sometimes we're looking for brand new people. It, it all depends on the project. And so then I've been given my task and I go out and come up with the ideas of actors for these parts and also work with the agents and managers to hear their ideas. And then we slowly start bringing, actually not slowly, we quickly start bringing in actors to audition for us. And so they, they audition for me and I read with them, meaning I, I will read the other part. Uh, we videotape it and we just start narrowing down so that we start, we could start with thousands of suggestions and see hundreds and just start narrowing it down. And when you're putting together an ensemble, it's important that all the people fit together and that they make sense within the project. And then when we finally make our choices, the casting director negotiates the deal for the actor. And once they're cast, then I'm on to the next.
0: That sounds like an incredible amount of work.
1: It is a lot of work. And, and now that the technology has changed, in that with the, the internet, I can do uh, a larger volume of work a lot faster. But the I guess the keywords are larger volumes. So sometimes when I'm doing a search, I'm not just doing it in Los Angeles, I'm doing a search worldwide, which means that I'm looking at thousands. Of audition tapes that that people are sending to me from all over the world
0: how quickly will you narrow somebody out
1: because I have a very trained eye and I have very good instincts I can look at an audition for a few seconds and know whether they're in the game or not
0: okay you take one look at them and say they're playing this part like nope that they don't look like that or you can just tell like what how can you just tell
1: Uh, Sometimes it's just not the right look for the piece. Like let's say I'm doing a period piece and and this person looks extremely contemporary and just doesn't translate into the world that I'm trying to put together. Or they're just not a strong enough actor. And so if I I can see that they're either prepared or not, pretty quickly.
0: Does the director or whoever's kind of... Making that decision, so to speak, do they usually have a pretty good idea of what they're looking for or do they ever want you to kind of surprise them?
1: It's really it's I'd say it's 50 50. It really depends on the person that I'm working with. Many times the director has a very fixed idea of what they're looking for. And it's my job to find that for them. Along the way, I'm also meant to use my creativity to. Bring in some people that are that are very outside the box of what the director wants because sometimes that's more interesting.
0: Is there any kind of specific characteristics that okay that translates really well on camera? Like something that you're always looking for in an actor?
1: Uh, there's this undeniable thing about charisma that you can It's very hard to explain what it is, uh, but. You know it when you see it because you want more. You just can't stop looking at that person and wondering what they're going to do next.
0: You've worked with some really big directors, you know, Steven Spielberg, Christopher Nolan. Mm -hmm. Is there something that they that they have in common?
1: I would say that they are uh, articulate and know what they want. See, so there's one thing like you have you can know what you want, but you can you can be uh, not very articulate articulate and, and not able to communicate to people what you want. So you might have a great vision, but if you can't explain it to, to people in all the different departments that you're working with, then you're useless. And so a good director is able to uh, explain themselves and and voice what it is they're looking for, and also able to make. Decisions because a director is making literally hundreds of decisions every day, and those decisions will affect the trajectory of that project in so many ways.
0: When you're doing the casting, I mean, I think people would immediately think of like the lead roles, but are you doing it all the way down to you know the smallest of the small?
1: Yeah, the casting director casts the lead roles although sometimes the project comes to us with the leads already cast, but we cast the lead roles down to the smallest speaking role, which would be like a one-line part. So we cast everyone that speaks. We don't cast background actors. That's another company that casts the background actors.
0: When you talked, we talked a little bit about charisma. What are some actors that when you looked at them, that they just jumped off the screen to you?
1: Well, thinking about when I was casting Mean Girls... Uh, Rachel McAdams came in and auditioned for us and I remember that I just kept watching her audition over and over every day saying this girl is a movie star she's just got it and she was in fact a little older we already had Lindsay Lohan uh, cast so she was in fact older than Lindsay who was really 17 and so I kept just squinting my eyes, trying to imagine them together. And then ultimately, when we did put them together to do screen tests, they look fine age-wise. And also, putting Rachel against Lindsay, it was—I think she was the first actress that came in that really made Lindsay kind of sit up a little higher in her seat and is more was more on her toes because Rachel is a really strong actor. And in order to be in a scene with her, Lindsay could not phone it in. And so I, we were also watching Lindsay's reaction to working with Rachel.
0: Can you tell pretty quickly if you've made – if something's not going to work out the way that you think that it will? Like, oh, this, this, this looked good on paper but not in reality.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, here's a little story. When we were casting E.T., Uh, we had a little boy that we thought would be great for the lead role and then we had all the other boys that we thought would be great for his friends and his brother and so we invited them over to the writer's house to play Dungeons and Dragons just to see what they would be like together to see what their chemistry would be like if they were just hanging around casually playing a game and in two or three minutes it became very clear that no one liked this little boy He just did not fit in with this other pack of kids, and he just suddenly did not seem like—it seemed that he was right for the role any longer. So that—we went into that with great hopes and realized very quickly that he was the wrong kid.
0: What what did I read this so that Tom Selleck was initially going to be Indiana Jones?
1: Yes, that's true. So we had a very long search for that role, and we had decided on on Tom Selleck— However, he had done a television pilot, uh, and that was Magnum P.I., and was waiting to see whether it was going to be picked up or not. And in the meantime, we hit a, I want to say it was a writer's strike, I'm pretty sure, and it was a writer's strike that went on for several months, quite honestly. And uh, in the in the end, he probably could have shot this film because the whole the business in the U.S. was kind of down because of this. So, uh, and then we cast Harrison, and that was history.
0: When, when you look at a movie like that, where you were the casting director, though, do you ultimately? I'm going to phrase this horribly, so forgive me. But do okay. you think that do you think that it would have been different if it would have been Tom Selleck? Like, would would the whole movie have been different had the casting decision been different?
1: Well, first of all, I want to say that. This movie was cast by Mike Fenton, my boss, and I was his uh, associate and trainee. So I was I was really coming up at that time. Uh, but going back to your question, would it have been different? Yes, because Tom Selleck has a very different essence than Harrison Ford does. You know, they they both absolutely were right for Indy for Indiana Jones, but how how Tom Selleck reacts to something is very different than how Harrison Ford does.
0: How has kind of the process changed since you've been in it?
1: Well, it's changed in that when I started, we didn't have the technology that we have now. And so in one on one hand, it was kind of cool and intimate in that the casting sessions would just be the casting director and the director and sometimes a producer. And there weren't so many cooks in the kitchen in terms of making a decision. Now, because we have video cameras, which we didn't have back then, we have video cameras and we we, uh, videotape an actor and then we send a link to their audition to so many people that are involved in the decision where it used to be just a handful of people and now there could be 30 people that are deciding on a role.
0: Is is that helpful or is that too many cooks in the kitchen?
1: I think it's too many cooks in the kitchen, but I don't know what there is to do about it. It it is the way it is.
0: How much will – I'm going to use the word politics, but I don't mean the word politics in that kind of a sense. But how much will like, oh, well, other things besides just raw acting talent play into it?
1: Well, you can definitely use the word politics because it's absolutely a a part of it, for sure. Uh, It's also business in that we have to think, you know, I have to put my producer hat on when I'm helping people come to a decision because it has to make sense for us uh, financially who we're hiring, meaning uh, sometimes it's not always the best actor that, that wins the part. It's sometimes the actor that... Has more following at the box office.
0: Has social media changed any of it? Like will you look at an actor's social media or anything like that?
1: Well, there are certainly projects that do that that will hire based on an actor's following on the different social media platforms. But to this day, I've not really seen it monetized, meaning I have not seen a project, film or television, or new media, well maybe more in new media, uh, that that has an act a, a person like an influencer or whatnot playing one of the roles and that the project makes lots of money because they had this influencer in their cast. So far that has not really monetized. I'm still looking for the best actor.
0: What do you think makes a good actor?
1: Well it comes down to it, it, it comes down to honesty to me. It's like who's authentic and who's showing me their authentic self now for instance you i mean you look at meryl streep and obviously she's not authentically a polish you know war woman, a woman from from uh, in sophie's choice but she becomes that woman authentically and has and and just disappears into the skin of whatever character she's playing and she plays Miranda in um uh what's the Prada
0: movie? Oh, uh, uh, Devil Wears Prada. Devil it's a great movie. I mean,
1: <laughs> you believe, you believe her? You believe her as that because she's authentic in what everything that she does.
0: How many actors though can really convince you that they can be anyone? And then how many actors they kind of have to be that person to begin with?
1: I think a good actor has. I mean. They don't have to actually be that person, but they can relate to the person. For instance, look at Sir Anthony Hopkins in uh, Silence of the Lambs. Now, he gives an incredibly compelling performance as Hannibal Lecter. Is Is he really a serial killer? No, obviously not. But he makes Dr. Lecter relatable because Hopkins found something in that character, that he can make him relatable.
0: You also do a lot of coaching with actors. What's the kind of general advice that you give them?
1: Uh, To be prepared, to be as prepared as possible, and to know the material inside out, so that when they go in to audition, if they're lucky enough to get some direction, they will be able to handle it because they know the material really well. You'd be surprised how many people come in and they really don't know the material as well as they should.
0: Why? Why wouldn't like Why would an actor not do that? Why would they not know it?
1: Um, that- there's just there's a lot of bad out a bad advice out there. I also teach auditioning classes, and I try to replicate what an audition is for these classes and it surprises me how many people come in for the first class and they're meant to do a scene and they're not off book meaning they're not uh memorized and they've been told by some teachers that for their first audition they should come in kind of loose and not not memorizing so that it shows that they can be flexible if they're given some direction that, they, that they're not locked into one performance so there's just, there's a bad, a lot of bad advice out there. And there's also some uh, laziness in a way, I think.
0: Are you ready for some of the harder questions?
1: Okay. Yeah, go.
0: <laughs> what movie casting are you most proud of?
1: Oh, you know, that's like trying, asking me who's my favorite child.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I have two kids. I can tell you which one I, which one oh, I identify, really? which one I identify more with. Not which one I'd like better, but which one I identify more with.
1: Okay. What am I most proud of? Uh, I did a little movie years ago called The Spitfire Grill, and I really loved that script and I loved that cast. And we won the audience award at Sundance in I think it was 1992, and we uh, we sold we, we we at the time we made the biggest sale ever at Sundance.
0: Wow, I do remember that movie. I remember hearing about it.
1: Yeah, it was a lovely, lovely movie.
0: Worst casting choice you ever made?
1: Uh, I can't. I, I'm pretty good and pretty passionate and pretty insistent with my, uh, the people I work with. And so I, I, I can't say that I've really made bad casting choices, just to be honest.
0: That's fair. That's fair. It's okay. uh-huh. Hardest type of movie to cast?
1: I love casting kids, but it's a lot of work because of the sheer volume of, of kids that you have to meet and consider. And so I, I love the process, but it's, it's exhausting because you have to be really on to, uh, to get the, to help get the best out of them. And it's, it's just the sheer numbers are, are pretty exhausting. So as much as I love it, it's a very difficult process.
0: We're seeing a lot more movies, you know, with female leads, with a lot more diversity being reflected, I think, in the casting. Has that, when did Hollywood kind of start to push for that more? And what do you think about that process?
1: Well, to be honest, casting directors have been trying to cast this way for several decades. We, it is our job to come up with interesting sometimes more interesting ideas than are on the page and we have constantly been changing a role that's written as a man into a woman or bringing in someone who uses a wheelchair with with no mention of the wheelchair in the character description so we've been trying to do that for years and so i think hollywood in the last couple of years is finally catching up with us
0: you know, was that more from like the the top executives kind of, or they just didn't think that the the those kind of casting decisions would make money, or what? What, what I guess slowed I mean, down the hesitancy that process
1: came came from everyone across the board. You know, from immediately uh, from the director saying no, I can't do that, uh, to the producer, to the network uh, executive. Uh, people people just were kind of stuck. And as casting people, we've been trying to present a picture of what the world really looks like, for, like I said, for several decades.
0: Can you tell me like one quick story from these different movies? Blade Runner.
1: Well, the, the, the first thing that I remember is uh, I was working on this movie when John Lennon was assassinated. And I came into work the next day and I had been up all night crying and I just came in to work with my eyes almost swollen shut and we had casting sessions that day and I remember sitting in the lobby waiting to meet with Ridley Scott were Jeff Goldblum, Eddie Olmos and there was one other I think it was actor Joe Pantoliano I'm not sure and I remember just going out there and and there was like dead silence out there. Everybody looked gut punched and just going out there and sitting with them. And we all just started telling stories about John and what he meant to us. Footloose. So we cast Christopher Penn. God rest his soul. Now he was, so I was just in love with him. I had just cast him in a movie with Tom Cruise called uh, all the right moves. And he, he was just this really funny guy. I always said he was kind of like a bull in a china shop. And so we shot this movie in Provo, Utah, and he just kept getting into trouble. And uh, he got ended up getting kicked out of the hotel they were staying in because he bought a barbecue and was barbecuing in his room.
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: i guess if he really liked barbecue i mean was yeah, it just was really it,
1: wanted barbecue
0: was it on like the patio of the room i could understand that a little bit
1: i'm not, I'm not really sure of those details but that's what i heard
0: um, men at work
1: the only story i i remember about that i can't really tell <laughs> so to choose something else <laughs>
0: okay let's go really family friendly how about jack frost
1: Oh, Jack Frost was a lot of fun. Um, You know, I started that movie, and director Sam Raimi was directing that movie, and George Clooney was starring in it. Really? Yeah. And then uh, Clooney pulled out, and Sam Raimi... Got another project and pulled out. And then we got Michael Keaton and we got a new producer and a new director and, and uh, you know started off on a whole other path.
0: How often does that happen where everything kind of changes like that?
1: Well, it doesn't happen that often, but it, when it does happen, you have to be ready for it. For instance, when I was casting Freaky Friday, Annette Benning was starring in that movie. And uh, two weeks before we started shooting, she pulled out because we didn't have a final script. We were doing heavy rewrites on the script, and and the writer was just handing it in, let's say, 20 pages at a time. And she just felt unsure to go into rehearsal until we had a full script. And uh, we had to recast. And it was a happy accident because... Jamie Lee Curtis was spectacular in that role and I can't imagine now I can't imagine Annette Bening in it even though I love her and she's an amazing actor uh, this all happened for the right reasons
0: strangest audition you ever were there for
1: Uh, strangest audition was I was casting a TV pilot for Paul Reiser who was starring in it and producing in it and wrote it And it it vaguely resembled his life and his friends and his marriage and his family life. And so I was casting the role of his son. And in the script, the role of the son that uses a wheelchair, much like in real life, Paul's son uses a wheelchair. So I put out a notification to all the agents and managers and also an open call across the uh, the united states looking for a nine-year-old who uses a wheelchair uh to play the role of paul Reiser's son and so had lots and lots of auditions and read a lot of actors in los angeles and then started doing open calls for kids that were not actors that wanted to try out for it so this kid comes in in los angeles and reads really well. And I remember my associate, my casting associate and I were looking at each other, you know, our eyes bulging going, Oh my God, this is so amazing. Cause it's, it's really hard to find someone that has all these qualities. And this kid was really good. And, uh, he finished and then he got up out of his wheelchair and left. And <laughs> we were like, what do you, how he was faking the whole time. It was a rented wheelchair and he can walk just fine, and he didn't really use a wheelchair. What an idiot. So I was furious and I went out and had a word with his parents. (laughs) I mean, he's in a waiting room next to kids that really, really do use a wheelchair, and he's pretending to use one so that he can get this audition.
0: What did his parents... I mean, it's, I'm sure that's the parents, right? What did oh, his parents... The,
1: yeah, it was absolutely the parents. The kid just... He was nine years old. He did what they told him to do. He thought it was a fun exercise. They didn't know any better. You know, they... I, I don't understand how they didn't know any better, but they they, uh, they thought it would be a fun thing to do.
0: So you, your jewelry line, when did you start that?
1: Oh, I started designing jewelry about a year ago, and it... It really started completely accidentally, but I I made some necklaces for myself, and I took pictures and put them on Instagram and said, look what I made, and I just started getting all these, Mm. I want, I want, I want comments. And the first request I got was from a guy in New York and he said do you make men's jewelry and I said no not yet and then I thought about it for about three seconds and then I wrote him back and said yes of course I make men's jewelry (laughs) what would you like so my first pieces were a couple of men's necklaces and then it just grew from there and I've been uh, doing it for a year now a little over a year
0: I want to thank Marcy so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can also find links to her website, her accounts, and her jewelry website on the RSS feed that's in this podcast. Okay, now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And he just sent me a text message that literally reads, He bro, we will on. Are, are you a text message jerk?
2: No, I think I'm a nice text messenger. Unlike some people I know.
0: No, what I mean by that is, if you have a pretty good idea of what somebody is saying, are you gonna are you gonna call them out on it? Are you just gonna kind of figure it out and not say anything? Or what are you gonna do? I mean, if I think
2: you're being rude, I'm gonna call you out on it. That's
0: not I, what I'm talking about.
2: I mean, that is what you're talking
0: about. No, I'm not talking you're not, about you're
2: being. asking if... Did you not say? If you kind of have the inkling that someone is trying to be rude, will you call them out? No,
0: that is not what I said. What I said, and I can almost repeat it verbatim, is if you think you understand what a person is trying to say in a text message, but it doesn't quite make sense, are you going to call them out on it or are you going to let it slide?
2: I will probably let it slide.
0: Okay. Thank you for answering my question. I will also let it I will also let it slide. But as an example, you just sent me a text message that says, he bro, be will on, which I didn't understand what that could possibly mean. So there I had to send a follow-up question. And I feel like that's a legitimate follow-up question. But if somebody sends you something and you know what they're talking about, you can't say anything. How do you feel about that?
2: Uh, Yeah, that was a pretty, uh, that's what uh, text to talk will do for you, I suppose.
0: Now, did you Um, mess up the text for talk or did you mess up the words behind it like were you stuttering or what were you doing
2: probably stuttering i have a i have a pretty bad speech impediment sometimes
0: yeah yeah i we we know i don't think you have to tell people it's <laughs> what's worse that or my breathing into the phone i was gonna compliment you that your breathing into the phone was getting a lot better but now it's really started to get a lot worse I think
2: it's because I'm doing more cardio. So I'm getting getting back to not being out of breath just talking to
0: somebody. That doesn't make sense. If you were doing better with cardio, you would have to breathe less. So you would be breathing less into the phone. You're breathing more into the phone now.
2: I don't think I am breathing more into the phone. I think you're a rude person is what I think.
0: No, I just like to point out things. I mean, I don't know. You just
2: like debate. Like, I feel like you don't... You don't argue with anyone else all week, and you you hold it you hold it in until this record session.
0: See, but number one, I don't think that that's being rude if you're just pointing out basic facts. Like, is it me being rude to say you breathe into the phone too much when you do? Like that's that's not being rude if it's just purely a fact.
2: I mean, I guess if that's the way you want to live your life, and uh, you know, and, and pick out everyone's imperfections, then sure.
0: Okay. That way. What if let's, let's take this to a dramatic example. What if, if somebody's really ugly and you point out the fact that they're really ugly, is that being rude? Or are you just being honest?
2: I mean, to, to their face or to somebody else.
0: What if they asked you a question? Hey, do you think I'm ugly?
2: Well, no, you never want to intentionally hurt someone's feelings. I mean,
0: but aren't you hurting their feelings by avoiding the truth? Like they asked you a legitimate question. They wanted to know, like, hey, honestly, am I ugly? And if they were, I think that, yeah, you kind of are.
2: I mean, I I think it needs to go case by case basis. And I I would never say to a woman that she looks ugly, no matter how ugly she looks.
0: Yeah, but generally, they're probably not really asking you. They're, They're asking you a question, but they're really just looking for one answer. I'm talking about if somebody asks you a legitimate question.
2: I still would probably lie. I probably would not tell somebody they look ugly to their face.
0: I think that we should be more honest with each other. I think that would actually help out things a lot. Like, you know what? That was a bad idea, and you should know that that was a bad idea.
2: Sure. I, I'm not saying don't hold people accountable and be truthful. I was I was merely talking about if someone comes up to me and they're like, well, how, does this lipstick make me look like a circus monkey? I'm going to say yes, it does.
0: See, there you go. Here's my other question for you. Do you think that fish are bothered by the rain?
2: I'm pretty sure uh,
0: I've read. What have you possibly read about this? What have you possibly read about fish in the rain?
2: There, it's. I mean, look at any uh, geological survey that's done on fish. When it rains,
0: they go Well, geological, first of all, geological has to do with the earth. So that's minerals and stuff. So that's factually incorrect. Snap eh, whatever. See, the next
2: time that you nitpick me, I'm going to hang up on you.
0: Look, finish your finish your fish research that you've apparently been reading up on.
2: They First off, fish bite the most right after it rains because they come back to the surface. I was under the impression that when it rains, they go deeper into the water as to avoid the vibrations of the rain hitting the water. So, you, so they go deeper.
0: So you think fish don't like the rain? They,
2: they go deeper into the water. I don't know if they like it or dislike it. I'm, I've never been a fish, unfortunately. Okay,
0: well, imagine you were a fish. Would you be bothered by the rain?
2: Would you be near me?
0: I don't think that has anything to do with it. It has
2: everything to do with it, because I don't care where I'm at, and if I'm a fish and it's raining, if you're within 300 yards of me, I'm just going to go towards the surface and hope a fisherman catches me and just kills me.
0: Were you one of those kids that if you were in the pool, you didn't want someone else to splash you?
2: I would not say that I was one of those kids, but I, I was definitely one of those kids that if I'm just in the pool to like do my own thing, I don't want anyone bothering
0: me. What do you mean do your own thing in the pool? What were you doing in the pool?
2: You know, maybe maybe I was just lounging around. Maybe I was just, like, you know, sitting on the edge of the pool or whatever, you know? Like, then you have those assholes
0: okay, that okay. either
2: jump in next to you or, like, you know, you seem like one of those little pesky kids that would swim up to you, have the water in your mouth and just spit it at somebody and then go back underneath the
0: water. Oh, no. I've got the, like, the... I. I can do this like hand clap thing with the water, and I'm pretty accurate about like I can get it right in people, right it, right, right in your eyes, really.
2: <laughs> you know, I, I think that to the people who listen to this podcast that surprises absolutely nobody.
0: No, I mean years of being a lifeguard have taught me the best way to splash people and annoy them. Uh, what do you? What's your first segment?
2: So I'm giving the uh, the social media quote of the day to uh, to Foolish Mortal on Twitter who, uh, if you haven't checked out our last episode, it's, uh, it's quite interesting, uh, with Exorcist Bishop. Uh, Foolish Mortal said that Exorcist Bishop is the Indiana Jones of exorcists.
0: He does have a picture that looks like Indiana Jones. I don't know how you well, don't notice I, that when you put I was that up there. You, is it the picture that made Foolish
2: Mortal say that, or is it just because there aren't very many exorcists out there? And, I mean, you're, that's pretty, That's a pretty badass gig to have, in a, you know, in a certain degree, I guess, if you look at it in certain ways.
0: For people who aren't sure what we're talking about, last episode, episode 68, I believe, we interviewed an exorcist named My Brian. My God.
2: 68 of these fucking things
0: i Yeah, I've it's done. a lot. Hey, way to interrupt us promoting other episodes.
2: <laughs> how, do, how do you like having someone
0: drive you up the wall? The thing is, is that when I interrupt you, it's because you're starting to drift onto a tangent about the color of leaves in your yard that no one's interested in. I'm talking about an exorcist who has performed hundreds of exorcisms. You're not going to be slightly more interested in that than what you had for dinner and how you feel about it?
2: First off, I have awesome colored leaves right now in my yard. What Thank color you got? How
0: many, how many colors you got in your yard right now?
2: At least four.
0: Okay, let's hear them.
2: Red, green, yellow, and like a dull orange.
0: You you don't have purple. If you don't have a purplish one, then get out of here. Nobody cares. Do you even have trees where you are? Seattle? Yeah. Look at I can look out my look. Here's what I'm looking at right now outside of my window. I got a purplish. I got a reddish. I got an orangish. A yellowish. A greenish. And then I got some bare ones just to remind you of what's already happened. That's what I'm talking. That's fall colors, not that crap you got in Michigan. That's fine. You know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at a dartboard with your face on it. Does it actually have my face on it?
2: Yeah. It's it's a little...
0: has a lot of holes in it, but... Uh, How am I yeah, looking? Yeah,
2: I'm look, looking at it right now.
0: Is it a good picture of me, or is it a bad picture?
2: No, I, I think it was taken on one of those bender nights where you didn't know where you were except
0: to go to the one food the food truck that no one wanted to go to in Orlando, Florida. Oh, it's a great food truck. If you're ever in Orlando, Florida, there's a food truck that's on, I think, Orange avenue maybe eola oh god i still dream about that uh do you have your next segment (laughs) yeah Yeah, but i i don't know like
2: i don't know if if i want to like i feel like you've been so mean to me today that we should take 30 seconds just to say something nice about each other okay you go first i appreciate you for all the hard work you put into this podcast
0: thank you i appreciate you for giving me that compliment (laughs) <laughs> I knew it. I knew you <laughs> could say something nice. I knew it. I just did say something nice. There's something nice I just said about you. I said appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you for giving me the compliment that you just gave me. Now let's move All on. Right. We're moving on.
2: All right. Uh so you have to pick one. Uh to go skiing or to go go snowboarding. Which
0: one are you choosing? Oh, skiing. That's easy. Skiing is a little bit easier. Snowboarding if you're not used to it, that can that can be a literal pain in the ass skiing I think is the is the way to go so uh, you've done both I assume no I have not really I've tried to snowboard I I just I, I like skiing better it's a preference thing I don't have I don't have anything against either one
2: have you ever just completely wiped out while skiing like yeah. sunny Bono style
0: first of all that's too soon <laughs> that's <laughs> sunny bono <laughs> He died while skiing. There was somebody else that died like right around the same time skiing like Sonny Bono did.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if, if, if we're being serious, I, I think Liam Neeson's wife died that way too, I think.
0: Did Wow, that's a lot of people who die skiing. I've Look, it's a little bit dangerous. I've had a relative that I went skiing with said they were a good skier that was not a good skier in any way. And I'm pretty sure when they wiped out... <laughs> one of those straight down the mountain wipeouts all you see is the cloud of white coming into the air. I really honestly thought they were gonna be dead
2: <laughs> I have a feeling I would be that person like oh I can ski no big deal and then it would be an absolute terrible idea
0: you don't you don't strike me as a good skier you're too top <laughs> I mean look not not because of your body size but because you're generally more top heavy like you would just tip over too easily. That's what I get for being 280 pounds of pure muscle. Like a reverse weeble wobble.
2: (laughs) A weeble wobble, weeble wobble. All right. Uh, (laughs) Did you just throw up a little bit?
0: No, I got a cough. All right, is that a problem? Some people persevere. Other people come up with excuses.
2: Wow, all right. I don't know if that was geared towards me, but uh, all right. (laughs)
0: Just a general statement. Um, My wife's having a baby. I can't do it.
2: Oh, Jesus. Here we go. Um, <laughs> so I'm just curious to know. This is like a person – i I'm going to ask this. I think I know what you're going to say, but I, I guess I'm going to ask it anyways. Uh, <laughs> protein pancakes or regular pancake mix? Which one are you choosing?
0: Pancakes. I don't want protein pancakes. You're eating pancakes. What's the point? I almost got divorced this past week. Your wife brought bought protein pancakes?
2: Yeah, this this protein mixture, and I – She's like, Can you make me pancakes? I'm like, sure, whatever. I go to the, the cupboard, where's my fucking Bizquick? It's not even there anymore. It's this some organic bullshit.
0: Wait a minute. Is it organic or was it protein specific?
2: I don't know. It's 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 protein uh specific. Well, I had to be careful. I just almost said protein pacific. Um
0: <laughs> It's hard.
2: <laughs> but uh I, I mean, I pull it out, and it's just, and, you know, and I'm, oh, oh, my God.
0: Small and wrinkled. <laughs> uh,
2: this this is really just all, this has just gone all to hell, that whole segment there hasn't. I should, I should probably just. Uh, yeah,
0: don't eat protein pancakes. Just get the regular stuff. It's hard to get a good pancake. It's really hard. Pancakes are good if you can find good ones. I can think of maybe two to three restaurants that I can honestly say that was a good pancake. Breakfast is the worst meal to eat out. Every time I eat out breakfast, I'm always like, mmm, that was okay. Well, I think the
2: thing is with breakfast is that it's not hard to make. And you go somewhere and you pay 10 to $20 or whatever it is, a meal,
0: and you're like... Whoa, where are you eating breakfast at? I mean, Fancy I, pants. I don't know about that. I I'm mean, not going over many... seven fifty for breakfast.
2: There are, what, two restaurants that... Are under seven fifty that you can eat at for breakfast? In terms of like sit down restaurants, I
0: bet. I don't know. I mean, you can get some pretty cheap pancakes. You can go in there and get like two sides, right? You get a side of pancakes, side of eggs. That's you're talking about two dollars each, right there. You get little ones. I don't know why you're gorging yourself at the buffet. It's
2: not even, it's, and it's not even worth it most times. I, I actually agree with you.
0: No, breakfast is a terrible meal to eat out. It's it's essentially a waste.
2: Uh, Reese's, like a Reese's cup, or a Kit Kat bar.
0: Ooh. Time of year? A specific time of year?
2: No, I mean, I because it's Halloween-ish time, we can say, like, now,
0: I guess. So for, like, Halloween. I would go, if we're talking about around the holidays, I'm going to go with a Reese's. If we're talking about outside of the Halloween holiday, I'm going to go Kit Kat.
2: Okay, so... Have you ever done it where you put them in, like, the freezer and get them, like, really cold? Which one? But, you, I mean, you can do it to both.
0: No, why would I do that?
2: Because it's delicious. Next time you get a Reese's or a Kit Kat bar, put it in the freezer and get it, like, frozen or, or really cold and eat it. It's way better than eating them at room temperature.
0: How can you eat it if it's frozen?
2: Well, you know what I mean? Like, you get it cold, right, and then you, you eat it.
0: Okay, what's the difference? I I don't believe that this could possibly be any better.
2: You know what your problem is? You just don't live life. Why do you have to be the guy that always asks questions?
0: Because I like to observe and understand the motivations behind things so as to better reflect on life's true meaning. You know what would be really good is if you actually mixed the Reese's and the Kit Kat together. Like if you split the Reese's in half, Put the Kit Kat in, in it, then put the Reese's back together, then froze it, then ate it. Yeah. Why don't I mean, you, I guess. Why I, don't you I live don't life? Why don't you live life? Live <laughs> life to the fullest. Mix your Kit Kats and your Reese's together, die of a heart attack at 36. Well, I guess I got
2: four years to get there, so we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens.
0: What do you think you're on? What do you legitimately think you're on pace for a heart attack at? Like, where do you think you're going to have your first one? I mean,
2: provided that I already haven't had one, um, (laughs) probably 42 and a half.
0: 42 and a half? I think you got, I was going to give you like 47.
2: My father is not the most healthiest man there is, and he hasn't had one yet, so.
0: So you got good genetics in that area. That's why I think you could probably hit 47.
2: you want to bet $100 that the day I turn 47, if I haven't had a heart attack, you owe me money?
0: No, not that much. I mean, I'd go as high as five. <laughs> I go five dollars. I know that's a big bet for me. You've been to Vegas with me, you know that's a big bet. <laughs> I just want my room comped. <laughs> just want my room comped. Shout out to Ryan <laughs> Brennan, who once got so drunk in Vegas, literally the only words he could repeat were "I want my room comped." <laughs>
2: Oh, poor guy.
0: Never bet on black. That's never. all I'll say. I'd never seen a man lose eight hundred dollars so quickly. Still <laughs> didn't get his room copped. Uh are you are you ready for our top five?
2: I am. Let's uh let's
0: do it. So top five months of the year. What's your number five?
2: So I had to go with July as
0: my number five. Ooh, I would actually put that as one of the worst months. Why would you put that above June? I'm doing it based upon where I live, which is
2: Michigan. So you know, you really only get six or seven months out of the year where it's decent weather. Uh, and July is one of those months. Now, July and August are 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 our hot months, but hot here is 85 degrees, like on a on a like hot day. So uh, you know, it's it's nice weather to get outside. It doesn't rain a whole lot. The sun's shining. I depict to pick between the summer months, and I went with July. Plus, there's the 4th of July.
0: Okay, my number five is June. I think June is a superior month to July. I think it's not quite as hot, but it's right in that good zone. It <laughs> doesn't have the humidity that July has. June's a more solid month, I think. you still got that energy from the start of summer. It's not that kind of, It's starting to bog down. I think June is a superior month to July.
2: I've always looked at June as like, like you kind of said, like, the start to summer but I'm, I'm gonna go with like the full-fledged summer month for my top five my number four I have to go <clears throat> April what for uh, for two reasons one it's when the season starts to change here in Michigan and the temperatures start to you know they start to level off. they 50 60-ish second reason because that's the month that baseball gets going
0: Wow that's boring
2: all right what's your number four
0: November. I think November is a pretty solid month.
2: Okay. That's surprisingly that did not make my list, but, uh, but why, why is it a solid month?
0: I think that it's, you're still, it's not real cold yet. You know, you got football going on. It's a pretty solid month, right? I think Thanksgiving is a really good one. I like Thanksgiving more than I like Christmas. Generally speaking,
2: I don't agree with you, but you know, that's, that's the glory of these things. (coughs) We each have our own opinions. Um, my number three is October.
0: Ridiculous. Uh,
2: because the fall colors, I don't know, it, it's just besi- actually Halloween is my least favorite part of the month.
0: You go ahead I'm, and give me, let's just go ahead and what? get this over with. What's your problem with Halloween? I'm not, a,
2: I've never been a fan of dressing up in a costume. I just don't like it. Half the time when I go to Halloween parties, I would just take a black Sharpie put it on a white T-shirt right on there, the guy you can always count on, and that was my Halloween costume.
0: Yeah, it's a terrible Halloween costume. I mean, I don't understand, but what was the other reason? You, you said, and I can, I'm can, i just going to go ahead and tell people, you don't like people pretending to be somebody else.
2: You know, some people take it to the extreme, and I, I mean, I've never really understood that. I mean, it's fine to get in character, but if you want to go that in-depth into it, go to Hollywood. It, it's just not for me. I mean, it's people want to do it great great for them i just halloween is my least favorite holiday out of any holiday that we celebrate i would say
0: wow even like lower than flag day
2: (laughs) given that
0: flag (laughs) day
2: gets my number three because it's you know this you know you're full-fledged in the fall it's uh cider mill month you know all this other stuff it's just it's a good time to get out and do stuff it's starting to get cooler uh and it's just it's just a good month
0: cider mill month how many how often are you going to the cider mill
2: i mean if my wife had had it uh you know her say every day we go every day but i would say you'd probably try to get to one every week
0: really i didn't i guess i didn't realize cider mill was that big of a thing for you and the Shoal family
2: <laughs> yeah come on out we'll put you on a on a hayride, and we'll never see you again.
0: Yeah, it's a hard pass for me. My number three is May.
2: Once again, to me, that's, you know, it's it's one of those months It's like, you know, April starts spring, and then there's May. Like, what, what good is May?
0: School's out, man.
2: <laughs> well, I don't, school never got out for me until June, so.
0: Because you had to go to summer school? Remedial English?
2: Bam. Remedial learning, I think they call it, not just English.
0: I was gifted. I was in the gifted class. No, son, this is gifted the other way. Oh, what's your number two? Uh, uh December. I thought about December. I really think a lot of people would pick December. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't, I'm not a fan of December generally, generally, the, because Christmas is great, right? Christmas is great. New Year's is overrated, though. And the beginning of December always sucks.
2: Wow, you just said like six things there. Um...
0: Technically
2: three. I like. Ugh, I hate you. <laughs> I, I I like I like the holidays. That's a good part of it. But once again, like I'm just going season wise. Like usually in Michigan, by then you're having a couple of snows. It's thirty to forty degrees. It's it's just it's just like a good month to get out and do things outside, you know. Because once January and February come, it's negative. So it's just you know, besides the holidays, it's just a good month to be able to go out and do things.
0: Okay, what's your number one?
2: I gotta go with September, baby, my birthday month.
0: I don't, I don't have a problem with September. Uh, my number one is October. I think October is the best best month. I, uh, September and October are right there, but I'd go October every time over September. I mean, I mean, once again, it's you know, it's like I guess that's my birthday
2: month. There's a there's a couple holidays right at the beginning of the month, so you know, oh, what are those? Uh, Labor Day and
0: uh let's hear the other one. Go on, let's hear it.
2: I'm pretty sure no. What goes on with Labor Day?
0: Nothing. There's one I think Labor Day can sometimes be in August. That might that might be completely wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you you know what I think I think I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna start fact checking you on every episode okay. like they do to our president.
0: Great, fine. I don't have a problem with that. I
2: see how wrong you are. And I'm going to start a website, uh,
0: tinydicknick.com. <laughs> <laughs> Look, will it go? Is it going to go the way that all of your contributions to the profoundlypointless.com website went, where it was pretty decent for what? about two weeks and then never again?
2: I, I, listen, last time I checked, was, was which was this morning. It's still up and running, and the GOT contest page is still there.
0: Yeah, that's because nobody's come and claimed their money yet.
2: I'll take it for fuck's sake.
0: You got actually dead last in the whole contest, and that wasn't even like me giving you a hard time. I meant yeah, well, specifically no way to be I got failed. Dead last. You were dead last. You had one point. Like that wasn't even making it up. You had one point. I don't buy it. First
2: off, I no one believes you because they know that you're just out to get me, but it's fine.
0: No, I'm legitimately, I gave you an honest evaluation and you had one point in the Game of Thrones contest. Uh, what's in your honorable mention?
2: I, I don't re- I mean, I don't really have any. I, I do want to say that February is my least favorite month out of any of them.
0: Yeah, I think February February and July are going to be up there for a lot of people for least favorite months. It's the extremes, right? It's the extreme of summer, it's the extreme of, of winter. Maybe August, I could see also people really hating August.
2: I would say any of those cold months. I could even see people saying December's, like, not one of their top months just because of, you know, how cold it
0: is. And if you hate people, December's not a good month. Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless podcast. We would love to hear what you guys think is the best and the worst month of the year. December is really the only month that I could see a lot of people putting down for both of those categories. And if you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. We'd also like a review. Like If you really have some time on your hands, and preferably you're going to give us a good review, leave us a review. We appreciate it. Thank you very much.
2: Goodbye.